Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Be gentle with me. Be gentle with me. I, you're, I am, you're, I'm a you're, ten- the, you're the experienced one on a Thursday. No, I'm a tender and considerate man. Oh, good. I'm your host, Chris. We're part of the World Football Index. Uh, and with me, I have got Colin. Hello there. How the devil are you, sir? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, good to be on, on Extra Time Show. Good, good. When were you last on? Was it the Christmas one where we picked our Christmas songs? Um, no, I've been on one since, I believe. Um, oh, you I... did the, um, oh, you did the three th- Room 101, didn't you? Yes, I've done the Room 101, and I was on another podcast with yourself. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, weren't you? Yes. Yes. Did we do a little quiz? We did, didn't we? Yes, we did. I can't remember what the quiz was, but um, what was it now? Have a think. This I can't a, This could be a long pod. This, this <laughs> is great podcasting, this. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, good to, it's good to be on. Hey, we're not 2015 award-winning podcast for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> right, well this week we're going to be talking about the Champions League, a bit about the Championship, uh, some fixtures going on in other leagues around the world, a um, bit of FA Cup, a bit of Mark Clattenburg, uh, and anything else that might come our way. So, first of all, um, Arsenal fans, put your fingers over your ears and make la-la sounds because we're going to be talking about Bayern Munich 5, <laughs> Arsenal 1. Uh, Robin scored one, two goals for Thiago, Lewandowski and Muller. Three goals in ten minutes with one single solitary reply from uh, Alexi Sanchez who could well be making only one more appearance for Arsenal in the Champions League in his Arsenal career. Uh, if rumours about him being sold are true. Um, did you see this? Yes. I saw, well, I saw the highlights of this and, and a lot of the uh, fallout afterwards. Uh can I tell you what I thought from this, and then you? Yes, I'd, 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 I'd rather do it that way actually, because I don't want to be biased, but I think well, I do have a soft spot for Wenger, so oh. I'm interested to hear what you say first. Okay, well, look, uh, it was obvious from their first goal that, that they've not learnt any lessons from playing Bayern Munich, because the one thing you don't do is let Iron Robin cut inside in his left foot. He does that, and lo and behold, he wallops one straight into the top corner. Um. And it was just, Sanchez scored with a, well, it was the penalty that was saved and then he sort of followed up. But it was those three goals in ten minutes where it was just sort of one thing after another, wham, bam, bam, all of a sudden. Um, they're out of the tie and then the heads go and they let that fifth one in at the end. Uh, Arsenal conceded three plus, three or more goals in four out of their last six, uh, last 16 appearances in the Champions League. It is their um, sixth straight 
Well, it will be, because unless they pull off the most miraculous of victories, uh, it will be their six straight last 16 losses in the Champions League. Um, I know they lost Koscielny to an injury, but Bayern had 75% possession. Uh, and all this after Arsenal topped their Champions League group as well. Mm. It's not looking good for Wenger, whose decision on his future will be made at the end of the season. He sounded very downbeat afterwards, didn't he? He he did. I mean, but I think any manager would after after what happened in that match. So I don't I don't read too much into that. Yes, if he sounded really jolly, you'd think he needs some kind of raving loon, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, what I would say is, I mean, the whole thing about whether he stays or goes, that's something else. But it would be a pocket. It would just be a, a, apocalyptically ridiculous to get rid of him now. Because, you know, they, they could just sort of sink like a stone. Um, now so, or in the summer? Now. now. I mean, I think he's, he's got to stay till the summer. And I think he will. That's an absolute definite. Um, he's got a two-year contract, hasn't he, sitting waiting for him on the table. Um, if he wants to take it. Um... I don't know. There's been a, there's been a lot of grief building up to this game, hasn't there? Between sort of some people on Arsenal TV and, and Gary Neville and uh, I, I, would, I don't. I would suggest I, that Arsenal fan TV is no barometer of normal Arsenal fans. There, they're the sort of loud minority mentals. They, they are, but I think there's. Um, I think you'd probably agree. There's probably more of a movement now to sort of say right that's his time it's time for him to get out you're in it's a it's a difficult position isn't it because although he's not won anything i mean he's won the two fa cuts recently but although he's not won the league for so long he has changed the whole dna of that club and he's had the invincible season and he's won them two three premier leagues he's changed the outlook of that club completely from the boring one nil to the arsenal so as much as you kind of want him to go you don't want to be seen as being sort of callous in the way you get rid of him. You want it to be a dignified parting of the ways. But at the end of the day, he's also a stubborn old boot who probably would stay if you sort of gave him the opportunity to. If you sort of said, do you want to resign? And he went, no. Yeah. You're kind of stuck with him, aren't you? Well, well here's, here's the thing is that this is sort of my defence of Arsene Wenger. He hasn't got bad overnight. This This guy was apparently, you know, the number one most wanted guy for the England job. Right? Mm. So he must have something about him. Yeah? Even now. Um, You just don't turn to a bad manager. And the 5-1, I I wouldn't put that down to to Arsene Wenger. Obviously he hasn't told him to play like that. I think, you know, they've just had a... one of those really bad days at the office. And we'll come on to another team that's had a bad day at the office in the Champions League very shortly, I'm sure. But what about but, the, the first goal where Robin cuts inside? I mean, that's the one thing you know he's going to do or we're going to want to do. So surely that's the one thing you coach out of them. Well, I don't know. I don't, well, I, I just I find it hard to believe that you could... Maybe Wenger can take some of the blame, but he can't take all of it. No. Um, and, I, and I do think, you know... <sighs> Maybe when Gary Neville says you've got to be careful what you wish for to Arsenal fans, there maybe is something in it because of 
what Manchester United went through after Ferguson left. Um, and I don't know about you, but I can't see any outstanding candidates waiting in the wings to, to replace him at Arsenal. And the, and the other thing as well, I think, at Arsenal is, I think there's, um, if you take Arsene Wenger out of the picture, to so say he walked tomorrow and he, he left the club even like at a board level, I don't think they've got any other sort of good football minds there. Whether it be on the board or one of the owners. You, you know, for example, like in the past, you know, when you had your David Deans and things like that. I, I don't think that's there at Arsenal anymore. So Arsene Wenger is sort of, he does know his football. Hmm. Um, a couple of names but, we mentioned. You've got Thomas Tuchel at Dortmund. Dortmund aren't doing brilliantly this season. You've mm. got, uh, obviously, people keep mentioning Eddie Howe. Um, Massimo Allegri from Juventus keeps being mentioned, as does Maurizio Sarri as well of Napoli. So there are names that are being talked about. I mean, I'm sort of arguing against my own point here, but this, <laughs> I, I just remember the now. the first time, surely. No, no. But um, I, I, I always contradict myself. <laughs> and uh, is a, Arsene Wenger himself came from Grand Passate. Hmm. Didn't it? Was it Grand Passate to Monaco or Monaco to Grand Pass? Uh, no, it was from Japan, wasn't it? Came. Was it Grand Passate? Yeah. I think it might have been to, to Arsenal. So, and that was like off the wall. That was obscure. So you, you never know. I mean, it could be another obscure signing if if Wenger goes. I'm, I'm not entirely sure he will. So, if you're if you're Mr. Arsenal board, uh, what do you do at the end of the season? What would you, Colin, CEO of Arsenal, do? Depends what what's in my best interest. If it's money, I'd keep him. Well, you think there's a constant revenue of finishing fourth and getting in the Champions League? Yep, I'd keep him. Um, if if it's for um, success and glory and, and pushing for the Premier League and trying to do better in the Champions League, then yeah, fine. But I think you've got to put your, get your checkbook out and, yeah. and do what do what Manchester United do and Chelsea and all the others and spend big. And I, d- I don't mean like. 50 million quid, I mean, like, you know, 100 million plus. Well, there's talk about uh, Sanchez going. He's been linked with Bayern Munich and Juventus. He's not cutting a happy figure at the moment, and he's probably their one um, key player, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, you can, you can see him moving on, but uh, wait and see, I guess. Is, is, he, is, he, is he running out of his contract? Or? Uh, he and Ozil have got next summers when their contract's up, so okay. you know, they either need to sign something quick or they need to let him go in a free next year or they need to um, they need to do something quick. I mean, Arsenal are notorious for this. Remember when Robin Van Persie got to a year left on his contract and they sort of panicked and sold him quick rather than let him go on a free? It's not like they've never done this before and got experience. Mm, true. It's a ridiculous state of affairs for a club of their size to be in, isn't it? Well, well this is, this perhaps goes back to, to what I was saying about there's not. I don't think there's many football people there. I think there's money men there, but I don't think I think they're, they're probably great business minds, but I don't think they're great football minds. Yeah. Um. So. Maybe that's the reason why they're not very well prepared. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, look, we talk about we'll, uh, we'll stop riffing on Arsenal's pain, and we'll talk about somebody else that didn't have a great um, week in the Champions League. That's part, PSG four Barcelona nil. But I think instead of saying someone didn't have a very good week, I think we should be heaping all sorts of praise on PSG. Uh, two goals for Di Maria, one for Draxler, um, and his seventh goal in the Champions League this season for Edison Cavani. Um, I watched this game and 
quite feasibly it could have been six, seven more. Okay. Well, I mean, the first thing I would say was, why do you hold that thought exclusively just because Barcelona's involved? I mean, if if Arsenal had a bad day at the office, then surely Barcelona did, because Bayern Munich were amazing. I did. Say, sorry, I thought I did say they had a bad day. Oh, so, no, so, I, I was wanting I was wanting to praise PSG more than sort of dump on Barcelona. Oh really. no, no, ab- ab- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I thought you were sort of. Um, Giving Barcelona a bit of a free pass there. No, no, no. I think the important uh, thing about I... this, no, the important thing about this game. I mean, as much as Barcelona did play terribly, is the fact that firstly PSG didn't allow them to play well, and secondly PSG were just so sumptuous themselves. Um, Draxler, Di Maria, Verratti were all just just fantastic play. I mean, there must have been about three or four through balls that Verratti played to um, uh, through to Cavani. Uh, and to Draxler in the first half that didn't always quite come off. Di Maria's two goals, one was a free kick, one was a left foot curling effort from um, the edge of the area. I was so excited, I tweeted that Cavani took a, a massive shit at the goalkeeper and got my vows mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> but it, they were just absolutely fantastic, and it was a real joy to watch. And I did think early on they're going to regret missing some of these early shots, but you know when it went two, three, four. You just thought this is it, and Neymar didn't have. Uh, sorry, Barcelona didn't have anything. Neymar was their one player who kind of almost did something. Um, Titi hit the post, um, but I think it was kind of an accidental hit at the post. They didn't really sort of mean to. That was from a header. Uh, no team has overturned a four 0 deficit in the Champions League era. It's Barcelona's worst defeat since losing four 0 to Milan um, in the Champions League final in 1994. But I think. One thing probably to note from this is, by despite losing 4-0, uh, Barcelona had 57% possession, but they had seven shots compared to PSG 16. So that probably explains an awful lot, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, also, you've got to look at the fact that probably a lot of the Barcelona players have taken backhanders. I don't, I don't know. I'm joking. <laughs> I hope I mean, their lawyers don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, I mean the, the thing is, I mean, I'd, I'd love to know if anybody put a whole load of money on PSG because surely they were pretty good odds for to win. Um, uh, you'd well, be mad to put that bet on, but a four 0 win. Well, if you if well, if you managed to put four, well, just any win, something you know, something like that. Yeah, just. I don't think it would have been... I mean, the BSG beat Barcelona a couple of years ago in the Champions League at their place. Mm, true, yeah. Okay. I think the thing people are saying this year about PSG is the fact that Ibrahimovic is gone, so Cavani can now do his thing and be... Oh, it was his birthday as well on Tuesday. Um, Cavani, can, uh, Cavani can do his thing where he can play, in the, play middle, in the middle and he can and be he's... their sort of main man and their main goal scorer and he's got people like Draxler, Verratti, Di Maria... Uh, Rabio all to feed him and it just works out so well for them they were just really really good. I mean, as bad as Barcelona were they were just absolutely fantastic to watch it was breathtaking at times quite literally big words it, they are big words but you know I didn't think did you see the highlights on this or did you see any of the, the game at all uh, yeah yeah I saw, I saw the highlights of this one so did you see just the goals, or did you see all the highlights? Uh, it was the goals and just some of the uh, commentator chat on BT Sport. Uh, okay, so I mean, what did you think from watching 
watching what you saw? Um, to, to be honest, I mean, obviously it was impressive, but I'm, I'm sort of, I'm slightly ambivalent towards it. Um, and this goes back many years, but I've, I've, I haven't got a hatred of Barcelona. But I, 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 I always like it when they get beat. I think it's... Um, I just, I just don't really understand La Liga. I just don't think it's a very fair league. But um, we should get Ado on here to discuss that. Yeah. <laughs> it, so I, I don't really take much interest in Spanish football. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm probably, you know, I can't really comment. But um, yeah, it's four nil. Impressive. It's like shock result. Great. I mean. But I think most of the attention, despite what you say, will be on Barcelona being poor rather than Paris Saint-Germain being oh, great. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. I think you will do. Um, I saw someone tweet on this. This is a um, this was a, a, a romantic giant killing by the Qatari royal family over the Qatari multinational airways. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing as well, this is obviously... Yeah, Barca have been priding themselves on the Mazier and bringing their players through the ranks and of course BSG come along with their big dumpfuls of money. Is this some kind of sea change or changing of the guard do you think in European football? Or are we looking a bit too much into that? No, I think I think you could have a point. Um, but I, I don't just think you're seeing it in, in Europe. I think, you know, what you see, well, we may come on to it a little bit later with a certain referee. But um, what's happening in China as well? Hmm. And a lot of the players moving there and just where, where money is no object. Um, yeah, it is It is shifting a bit. And it does tend to happen in sort of cycles, doesn't it? Mm. You know, so for example, um, you know, it used to be that Manchester United always had the money and then, you know, sort of Chelsea came into the game and sort of rewrote everything and then Man City did. And, and now maybe it's just changing again. Um, yeah. There is something about Premier League teams complaining about um, Chinese clubs coming in with all their money. Some delicious irony. Oh, oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the only thing I would say from a PSG point of view is that I mean, obviously with Barcelona, you know, the huge, great team and everything, but you're buying a bit of a one-trick pony in PSG, aren't you? Because as much money as you pump into it give or take a handful of teams there's not a huge amount of competition or interest in Liga. 1 uh, they're second or third at the minute they're not top we should pull the finger out then <laughs> stop messing about beating Barcelona and concentrate on the league bloody French fancy dans twizzling exactly. around with their berets and <laughs> well look elsewhere in the Champions League Benfica won Dortmund nil. um Kostov Mitroglu, remember him, Fulham fans. He's the uh, the goal scorer in this one. Um, and Abimian hang a penalty miss for uh, Dortmund as well. Did you see that? Nope. Oh well, very very similar to my own penalty save yesterday, which I, ah. can, I can happily talk you through my six aside. Well, basically, I talk you through uh, Abimian's, and it basically reads my own goalkeeping exploits. But basically, what normally happens when yep. someone takes a, goal, a penalty, they go left, they go right, don't they? Also, a goalkeeper will dive one particular way. Uh, well, that may be the aim, or just power in the middle. Well, you would be right if you were uh, a Bumiang, because that's what he did. He decided to go straight down the middle and smash it, but the goalkeeper, he didn't move a muscle. 
So the goalkeeper didn't dive left, he didn't dive right. Aubameyang gambled on him doing one or the other. He did neither and either. smashed it straight at him. Which was oh. which was basically a blueprint for my magnificent and heroic and brave uh, penalty save yesterday. Which we can spend the rest of the podcast talking about if you want. I'm interested in this. Please, please, <laughs> please expand. No, basically, that was it, and we lost anyway. So, so you were like just looking at something in the distance, so you didn't move. And, <laughs> and the ball just smacked you. And yeah, you save it. I did. Well, it's my second penalty save in as many weeks. Hmm. I mean, it's an interesting thought, you know, with penalties. I, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure all the studies have been done, but where the most successful place is to put a penalty. Matt Atissier said he always went to the keeper's left because he could use his right foot and curl the ball away from the keeper into the corner. And um, I was listening to him and also Mark Noble was talking today and they both said that they find penalties so easy because it's the easiest chance you'll ever get. It's a dead ball, about 10 yards from goal. No one is allowed to sort of tackle you or anything yeah. like that. Basically, you just have to smash it at the goal as hard as you can. Malatizia was right-footed, wasn't he? Yeah. So surely, as a right-footer, it's easier to hit it to the goalkeeper's right. No, because you've got the ball curling. You see how you, you've got to imagine the arc of the ball. If you when you say the goalkeeper's right, do you mean the goalkeeper's right hand? Yeah, he always went to the goalkeeper's left. So oh well, ball- I, I just thought it's the opposite. No, see, so imagine on a sort of an arcing banana, curling banana. Yeah. So you imagine you kick the ball with your right foot, it sort of curls left to right, doesn't it? So the sort of bendy bit of the banana sort of curls with it. Whereas if you kick it with the right foot, it kind of curls away and comes back in again. Makes it harder for the goalkeeper to reach, unless you're Mark Crossley. True, true. Though I do believe if you hit them down the middle, probably about six, seven times out of ten you're going to score, aren't you? Not if you're playing me. Well, not if you're playing you, but, you know. Um, and obviously, if you go for the left or the right, you've got the, I guess, more, a lot more of a chance of just missing it. Exactly. But then if you all take all your penalties and just smash them straight down the middle, the goalkeepers are going to get wise to that, aren't they? Well, you know now, don't you? Yeah, I know for next if, if, Yeah, if you come up against this guy again. <laughs> um, also in Champions League, Real Madrid 3, Napoli 1. Uh, Napoli took the lead through... Um, did you see any goals from this? No. Napoli took the lead in about the seventh minute through Lorenzo Insigne. Um, he received the ball from a through ball about 35 yards out, saw Kayla Navas off his line and did a Matt curly shot around the goalkeeper. Um, and Kayla Navas forlornly scrambled and slipped and fell and tried to grab and missed it. Um, Real Madrid came back with goals from uh, Karim Benzema, Tony Cruz and Casemiro. The cross for Benzema I don't know who it was where was number two for Real Madrid it was like an out it was uh, the right fullback sort of crossed it the outside of his boot for Benzema um, the Casemiro goal you really should check this out on YouTube he absolutely smashes it on the volley from the right hand corner penalty area about 25 yards out absolutely gorgeous goal um, and Napoli also had a goal disallowed towards the end 3-1 Real Madrid for uh, is that enough going back to Napoli do you think well, if you're a Real Madrid, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? If you're Napoli, what do you think? Well, I mean, would, you, would you be would you be comfortable as a Real Madrid player going there with a three-one lead? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously they've conceded the goal, but an away goal, but you know, you've done the job. You've won. Avoided a banana skin. You know, you've you've avoided what happened to Barcelona. Napoli second in Serie A. It's Real Madrid, though, isn't it? Ronaldo's not scored in the Champions League for some 500 plus minutes. Well. That's it, he's finished. <laughs> he's dried up. <laughs> um, right, there are also games of the Championship this week. Top of the table, uh, Newcastle drew 2 2 away at Norwich. Uh, Brighton drew 1 1 with Ipswich. Um, Huddersfield and Reading seized on those drop points. Reading beat Brentford 3 2. Um, Birmingham lost 3 2 at home to Huddersfield, the 92nd minute winner. So your mate David Wagner is probably running down the touchline again. <laughs> Uh, Sheffield Wednesday beat Blackburn 2-1 with Hope Atpan did you see him get sent off no I didn't have you heard about him no I haven't heard about the sending off he pushed the referee ok he ran, this is Sheffield Wednesday where also Paolo, there's something in the water there because that's where Paolo Di Canio did his referee pushing and the referee also he took, I'm convinced the referee took a little bit of a dive you watch it on YouTube or something Akpan, he puts his fingers on him, pushes him a tiny bit, and the referee does a Paul Durkin and starts staggering back. Oh, no. Poleaxed. Uh, and quite rightfully, Akpan gets sent off. But Sheffield Wednesday beat Blackburn 2-1, and your dirty, dirty Leeds beat Bristol City 2-1. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leaves Newcastle top on 66, Bolton, uh, sorry, Brighton uh, on 65. In the player places, you've got Huddersfield on 61, Reading 60, Leeds 57, Sheffield Wednesday 55. Are you going up this year? I don't know. I, I was going to say that you, you, that six, when you look at them, mm. I think that could be the way it finishes. I, I, I can't see Newcastle and Brighton not getting automatic. I don't know who will finish top necessarily, but I think they'll both go up. You think, it's only four points though, isn't it? <sighs> there is, but I mean... I think... Yeah. Newcastle and Brighton, I think, are not necessarily running at 100%. You know, where I think a lot of the chasing pack are. You're not anti-Huddersfield because of what happened last weekend? No, I'm not anti-Huddersfield. I mean, but I'm telling you now, Huddersfield are nowhere near as good a team as Brighton or Newcastle. So, Huddersfield is sort of outperforming to get to, to where they are, as are Leeds. What about Reading? Well, yeah, I think they'll be there or thereabouts. I think the four you've got in there, I can't really see who's going to drop out and who's going to replace them. Norwich are on um, a bit of a run at the minute, aren't they? Norwich are on a bit of a run, but I just... I I don't think it's there. I think I think the other teams above them would have the beating of them. Fulham, on their day, can be quite tasty. Um, but apart from that, Barnsley, Preston, Derby, I think they're out of it. We've got uh, Sheffield Wednesday on 55. They're in sixth place. Norwich are on 51 in seventh. And then you've got Fulham on 49, Barnsley on 49. So, yeah, you're sort of dropping down a bit there, aren't you? Yeah, and the important thing is if those teams do stay in the uh, in the playoffs, you've got three Yorkshire teams in there. Um, so there's always going to be a, a lot of grief in there. So whether it be Huddersfield or Sheffield Wednesday, it's likely Leeds are going to meet one of them. So, you know, for them it's going to be their FA Cup final. Are we going to have Wagner versus no, Monk, Mark, too? I think it's almost inevitable that's going to happen again. 
the rematch. The rematch. Yeah. Like you bank versus Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think ooh, Eubank is probably Gary Monk. He, he seems to be more of the cocky one. Yeah. You know, just sort of snidely just walking into the path of David Wagner. Yeah, how dare someone celebrate a goal? Hey, I'm, I'm not being funny, but that that was bang out. He was bang out of order, and he will get punished big Who? time, I think. Wagner. Why? He's not out of order at all. Well, first of all, he's broken the rule by coming onto the pitch. Oh, fair enough. All right, so he did that. Happy man celebrates last-minute win over Yorkshire rivals. That's what football's all about. Right, fair enough. But, you know, if that was Leeds versus Manchester United, you know, you know, even Ferguson didn't do that when he was at, when he won at Elland Road, you know what I mean? Mourinho did it when he won at Old Trafford with Porto. That was that was Porto, and it was different. It was Champions League. I don't think beating Leeds is that. Is it, come on, it's not that much of a scalp, mate. <laughs> Leeds have been dreadful for like I would fourteen suggest, years. I would suggest it's a massive scalp for any team in the Championship to beat Leeds in such circumstances, particularly Yorkshire rivals. I'd suggest them and Forest are still the two biggest clubs in. Well, maybe, well, maybe Newcastle's two. The, the biggest clubs in that league, and anyone would celebrate like that, wouldn't they? I don't, I don't know. If, if, if they, they are, even if they didn't, Monk was still a massive bellend. Uh, if, I was listening to what Mark House said on one of these programs afterwards, the ex-ref, mm. and and he said, to be honest, he said I thought Gary Monk was quite reserved. He says if that was me, I'd have punched him in the face. Um, it's, it's, it, look, I'd if, like if, to if, see a ref punch a manager in the face. I'd like to see that. Look, mate, if if well, if, if Gary Monk could behave like David Wagner, Gary Monk would be the bad guy. If Gary Monk behaves like Gary Monk, Gary Monk is the bad guy. Leeds are never going to win out of this one, right? It, it, so, you know what I mean? It's always going to be, oh, wasn't it lovely for plucky Huddersfield? You know, so... Anyway, David Wagner will get his comeuppance. <laughs> Sounds like a threat if you're listening, David Wagner. Yeah, don't walk down any sort of dark streets in, in West Yorkshire. Or Chelmsford. Stay away. Oh, well, Chelmsford, yeah. <laughs> uh, other big games this, coming up this weekend. Um, in Croatia, you've got the split derby between RNK and Hajduk. Uh, uh, Italy the... have got... Uh, well, the only real big game in Italy this weekend is Milan-Fiorentina. Um, Belgrade, you've got FK Rad Belgrade versus Partizan. Not quite the same... Belgrade Derby as you normally get. Uh, you've got the Mexican Classico this weekend, Guadalajara versus Club America. In Australia, you've got the Sydney Derby, Sydney Wanderers versus Sydney FC. Any of those tickle your fancy? Oh, I do love a, a tale of two Sydneys. A Sydney Derby. Do, do you watch any of the Australian football on BT Sport? Do I, heck? What? Sure. I haven't got BT Sport. I, you said you watched BT Sport. On the internet. Oh, right. One of those streams, is it? Okay. I'm not. I'm not paying subscription for that. I, I see. I'm on Sky as well. You see. So I. I know. I haven't got Sky. I got BT Sport instead. Right. So I got it just so I could watch Australian football. Maybe not. No, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, well, look. What else have we got going on in the world of football this weekend? Uh, or this last week? 
Uh, your wafer is the Commission of Sports looking uh, report looking at the links between heading balls and dementia, which is quite interesting because I'm reading a book about retired footballers and they're just talking oh, yeah. about Jeff Astle and his uh, his heading issues or his, or his issues surrounding his uh, sort of premature demise. I know, of course, all that was linked to um, his heading his balls, but a lot of it isn't due to heading balls. Some of it is, they say is due to clashes of heads, a la Ryan Mason. Others are sort of elbows on heads and all that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see um, what comes out of that report, won't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there's, uh, it's difficult because it's difficult trying to put it down to one thing. I mean, it does seem obvious that it's the heading of the ball, but I think it'd be quite hard to prove. Um, you know, and I think as, as well, you know, as sort of players get fitter and fitter and fitter, I think that they're pushing themselves so much mm. that they're prone to more injuries and things like that. Um, but I mean, you, you know, as you said, you, you were in goal the other day, you, so you, I'm sure you've played outfield before. I mean, when you've been smacked in the face by a football, as I have, and I've been a central defender and right back, and I've had to put my head in there, I hate heading the ball. So it makes my sort of head shake. Mm. Like my brain is inside going... Mm. And uh, I feel shit after that. Three so, times... Go on. Go on. No, that's it. No, sorry. I was going to say, three times I've played in goal and I've been knocked out cold because someone's oh. bearing down at you one-on-one and they smash the ball as hard as they can and it just smashes straight into your face and... You, I was, I've been quite literally knocked out. So you sort of down on the ground, and I was out for um, a good sort of good five, five seconds. seconds. And then you sort of hear sort of noise swirling around you, and you gradually sort of come to and everything. But of course, you carry on playing because you know you get have a laugh, and your mates say carry on and all that sort of thing. And you've seen it with Hugo Lloris when he had his head injury, and uh, and he carried on that time. Um, of course, the whole Mourinho, Eden Hazard, Ava Carnero thing. I think players are forced to feel like they should carry on, man up and all that sort of thing. But I think one thing that should happen is maybe we don't have club doctors uh, assessing players. Maybe we have independent doctors assessing players on the pitch. It's a difficult one because while I do have sympathy for, you know, people who've suffered injury as a result of heading the ball, at the end of the day it was their choice to play football okay in exactly the same way that it's a boxer's choice to be a you know a boxing fighter and they're getting punched in the head um rugby players are probably suffering similar sort of potential head impacts Hmm. but spotlights on the on the footballers because football is the big game you know I, I just you know if you're going to start um you know, head injuries in sport and sort of long-term damage, then surely the first place you've got to start is boxing. Well, in rugby, you have the um, uh, you, you have the sort of rule where you're knocked out, you're not allowed to play for a certain period of time afterwards, aren't you? Yeah, true. So, um, also, while we're on happy medical subjects, uh, drugs in football. Um, 39% of EFL players were not tested last season. Um in the Women's Super League, 36 out of 169 players weren't tested. And WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, have uh, expressed their disappointment that there were no drugs tested in the last nine months of 2016 in Scotland. 
in a world where footballers quite happily fall down in the penalty area and say it is a penalty when they dived, uh, in a world where they kick the ball off for a throw-in and are still appeal for it, taking drugs isn't beyond the realm of possibility for a professional footballer, is it? No, not at all. Um, but I mean, you know, we've seen what's happened to we've seen what's happened to Manchester City today. Mm. They've been fined thirty-five thousand, which I think is ridiculous. I do as well. It's a small amount, really paltry, um, for breaching anti-doping rules. That's right. I mean, is that it? Thirty-five thousand for doing that, is it? Yeah. So it's no deterrent whatsoever, is it? Especially well, Chilina's got a two hundred thousand pound fine mm. for doing like a dodgy deal with a um, with an agent. Okay, but is is that really comparable? You know, you know, doping is thirty five thousand, a dodgy backhander, two hundred thousand. I mean, it's way. I'm, they're both wrong, but where's your priorities? Exactly, Nicholas Entner showing his underpants with the Swanson. Exactly, that's <laughs> the one that everybody trots out. But it's a fair point, isn't it? Yeah, it's no deterrent. Thirty five thousand pounds to a football club owned by the sort of Abu Dhabi royal family is no deterrent at all. Well, it's not just that. I think, I think the, the, you know, drugs and sport, I, I think with football as well, especially in the Premier League, I can imagine quite a few of them are on recreational drugs. You know. Mm. So not necessarily trying to be naughty and break the rules and performance enhancing, but, you know, taking a little bit of a, a bit of the naughty stuff, you know, on a night out. I can't believe that with drugs so prevalent in sport, you think athletics and cycling and all these other things, that there wouldn't be it in football. Oh, you're going to tell me in a minute that football isn't corrupt. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, it's, one, it's one of the most corrupt sports going, so I don't know why that's a, that's a, that's a surprise. Should we talk about someone that's had a rather good day, should we? Who, someone who's got a new job? Yeah. Mark Clattenberg. Mm. Are we happy for him? He's going to go work in the sun. Well, first of all, I think it's a good ref. I do as well. He's very much maligned, but I do think he's a very good referee. He's got his knockers, but I tell you what, there's a hell of a lot worse. Um, but it does leave a. Well, well, first of all, I think he's taking the role that Howard Webb is leaving. I understand. So he's not going to go and be a referee in Saudi Arabia. He is going to be refereeing games, yes, but he's also going to be there as sort of, you know, this sort of figurehead and help the referees out there. Um, so I hope his Arabic's good. Is that a problem if a referee goes and does that? Have you got uh, an issue with it? Players move for money. Why shouldn't a referee? I I don't have an issue with it per se, but. It's all about the money. He's not doing it because he wants to become a better referee. But, is, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with doing things for the money, is there? Well, it depends how you see it. Yes and no. Well, presumably he's not on Wayne Rooney wages and he's got a mortgage and family, etc. Et well, yeah, but that's not, that's not an excuse to just sort of go and do... You know, you should be good at your job. You know, he's... Not, not, you know, just do it for the money. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just me, but it's just. You're too noble. That's your problem. Well, it's just a sign of things to come. You know, if you're saying money's no object, there's not much point in playing football anymore. 
Well, money is no object in football, is it? That's the well, then there's not much point support. You know, I support Leeds United because that's where I'm from. Mm. But if it's all about money, then it's just, you know, who's who's got more money in the back pocket? Mm. You know, I might as well not support Leeds. It might as, I might as well support MK Dons because MK Dons are as Yorks or as Leeds, if you see what I mean. Yeah. You know, um, so, and I'd, I'd hate it to go that way. So you're not wishing him much luck then? No, I am, because he's a nice guy, mm. but let's not beat around the bush. He's doing it purely for money. Okay. Well, look, should we talk about the romance of something? And I don't mean me and you in Valentine's Week. I'm talking about the FSF. I was trying to think where I'd take you for Valentine's, mate. How many cards did you get? I got one. How did you get? Oh, no, I got two. I got one for my daughter. Does that count? Well, I'm in Cornwall, so maybe it does. Um, I didn't get any. Didn't you? No. Did you make yourself got- one? No, um, I got two letters, but I think one was from the water board and the other one was from Virgin Media. My friend got a message from somebody on Tinder. On, this is on Valentine's Day itself, so she's already on Tinder, so that, that's a good indication of how her okay. love life is going. Uh, she got a message on there from someone that said, um, you look ugly on your profile pic, but when you take a closer look, you look all right. Honesty is the best policy. That was her only Valentine's message she got. <laughs> Lucky girl. Yeah, poor thing. She very much deserves better. Uh, right, well, okay, let's talk about some real romance. Let's talk about Burnley versus Lincoln. I treat you to that, shall I? Lovely. Mm. We'll have a Nando's afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Burnley versus Lincoln and Sutton versus Arsenal. They're the two non-league clubs left in it. They've both got a Premier League tie. Um... Can you see any hope for either of them? No. No. No? Not even plucky little Arsenal? Taking on the might of Sutton? <laughs> Having had a tough old week? Well, Arsenal have had a bad week, and, it's, and they're not going to have fun at Sutton. They are an absolute hiding to nothing in that game, aren't they? Because, well, yeah. you know, they win, great, you should win it at Sutton. If they struggle to win if they draw or god forbid they lose then my gosh Arsenal fan TV is going to explode well Sutton were the team that in the last round not Leeds United out oh they did didn't they yeah so so I know what Sutton's all about it's a, a bad pitch it's a plastic pitch it's not plastic is it it's a bit different to the old plastic pitches it's 4G well, isn't we, it if it's 4G it's a bad 4G Right. Um, it's it's it's. But so basically, for example, when Leeds were playing, all right, Leeds were bad and put out a very weakened team, but they were trying to pass the ball, and in the end, in the second half, they just couldn't do that. You just had to play it direct because there was you couldn't really pass it nicely. So it's not going to suit Arsenal at all. Um, some of the players are brutes, you know, but. They're not very good. Um, so I think if Arsenal... The longer the game goes on nil-nil, <laughs> the more worried Arsenal will get. What sort of but, team do you reckon he's going to put out? Well, who knows? Who knows? Well, I mean, would you put your sort of reserves out because, meh, it's only yeah. certain? Or would, yeah, you think, would you think... I lost it by a minute last week. I probably got a tough game in the Premier League this week. I better, I better sort of seriously trounce this team. I don't think he's going to 
changes style. He always puts his reserves out, doesn't he? Or weakened teams yeah. for the Cups. Um, yeah, and that, they should be more than capable of beating Sutton. But you know, if it's a bit like it was at Leeds, you know, it was sort of bad pitch, bad weather, you know, awful surface. That's those sort of things. Um, yeah. Arsenal aren't going to like going there. No. No. I mean, can you imagine Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil walking into the Sutton changing room and thinking, hmm, this isn't quite what we're used to? No, exactly. I often wonder with things like this, when a massive Premier League club gets a lower division club away from home, so they're at the lower division club's mm-hmm. ground, I wonder if the chairman sometimes meet with a brown envelope and says, give us a draw at your place. We'll go back to our nice big shiny Premier League stadium and you make a whole load of money from gate receipts, but you let us win. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that happens. No? Because the, the, the vast the difference in um, quality is that big. I don't, I don't see how directors or even a manager could say to the players, look, guys are having a day off. You know, let them win, and it wouldn't leak out. Why not? I mean, you wouldn't. You would let them. You, you would let them draw, wouldn't you? The first one round, and then when you get back to the Emirates Stadium, of course, there's no chance in the world. Even if you let them, you know, there's no chance in the world that Arsenal would lose at the Emirates to Sutton. Well, no. I've always wondered this. Oh, what about Lincoln? Then go on. Let's try Lincoln at Burnley. Uh, Burnley are pretty formidable at home, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you should. You think they should deal with Lincoln, but I, I, in both those games, I don't think um, either team. It's, it's, these little teams aren't going to get a drubbing. No, I don't think it's going to be like five or six nil. It's going to be like two nil, two one, something like that. Um, but yeah, I think Burnley will be fine with that. Don't you? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think that. Um... I think Burnley will be especially at home I think Burnley will be alright um, what else have we got in the FA Cup we've got doo, 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 Huddersfield versus Manchester City do you remember when these two played in the late 80s and it was 10-1 to Manchester City no I don't remember that but it sounds good yeah especially yeah imagine David Bagley getting beat 10-1 he won't be running down the touchline then will he no <laughs> uh, can you see anything other than a Manchester City win Could do, yeah, yeah. I think Manchester City are the favourites, obviously, but there's a potential for banana skin there. I mean, Huddersfield Town are flying. Um, they've got a bit of a spring in the step. They'll probably put out, you know, a more stronger team out of their roster than Manchester City will. <laughs> yeah, um, and the atmosphere is going to be a bit intense, and yeah, there's a potential. I mean, it could be a draw there. Can you imagine Shake Mansour sitting at a service station on the M62, eating a Ginsters, waiting with a brown envelope to meet the chairman of the Huddersfield town? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Middlesbrough versus... I've been, to, I've been to Huddersfield town's ground. I mean, uh, what is it now? John Smith's, is it? John Smith's Stadium. It used to be the McAlpine, didn't it? That was like the first of those of identical stadiums yeah, that got yeah. built. Yeah, but it's actually quite a nice stadium. Yeah? Mm. Quite modern, quite nice. Their main stadium, the main stand's got some kind of sort of arch, isn't it? It looks quite. I remember it being built. Yeah, it's a couple of years since I went there, but 
yeah, it's very it's a very tidy ground. This was around the Andy Booth era when they built it all, wasn't it? I don't know, you're going back a bit now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. one for the teenagers, Andy Booth. Um, Middlesbrough versus Oxford United. Middlesbrough are a little bit sort of, I wouldn't say they're in free fall, but they are sort of struggling a bit, aren't they? Well, it's struggling to score goals, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, even so, Oxford United, no. I don't think so. No? No. You can't see any way whatsoever? No. Okay. Um... Millwall versus Leicester City. This is a tough one. This is this is where the upset's going to come, isn't it? Well, it's it's sort of obvious that this is where the upset would come from. So it's probably going to come somewhere else. But yeah, you'd, you'd fancy Millwall have a chance against Leicester. Do you give? I mean, Ross said last week if it happened, it wouldn't be a massive shock. But it wouldn't be a massive shock. It would be a giant killing of sorts. But it'd probably do Leicester a bit of a favour, wouldn't it? I mean. It, Liverpool are out of the um, FA Cup and they've gone to the south of Spain. Sunderland have gone to New York. It's not a bad thing not being in the FA Cup, is it? Well, well, I think you could say that about most of the Premier League teams and Championship teams. You know, they've, they've not taken it seriously. So, um, and Leicester, as I recall, stumbled into this round after beating Derby. Extra time, wasn't it? Yes, that wasn't particularly convincing. Um, yeah, that was a dreadful game. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, maybe with Millwall with Steve Morrison up front, they could uh, cause some damage. Um, but yeah, it's just the sort of competition Millwall are well up for. It's the sort of competition that I think, as you say, they couldn't be bothered about. Hmm. Uh, Wolves versus Chelsea. This is the Michael Mancien derby, isn't it? <laughs> Goodbye, Wolves. Yeah. Well, what do you think? <laughs> no, I don't, I'm, I mean, just try, I'm just trying to build it up for dramatic podcast effect. <laughs> I know, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Get yourself down to Wolverhampton for this yeah. cracker. Yeah. All right, I'll make a case for Wolves. So Chelsea are eight points clear. Uh, they obviously have got their sights set on the Premier League title, and their only contenders seem to be eight points behind Manchester City. So they play a few. Reserves and sort of, you know, your Nathan Shalabos and people like that. Wolverhampton Wanderers, they're on the run of what happened last time. Richard Stearman will be a, a rock in central defence against Batshuayi or someone like that. And they steal a goal and defend. Oof, I like that. Um, yeah. But they are eight, Well, yes, but they are 18th in the Championship. <laughs> yeah, I suppose they're 18th for a reason. <laughs> yeah, that's the other side of it. Well, Paul Lambert, you know, he's Paul Lambert when he does well, isn't he? Yeah, I don't like the guy, but yeah. No, we're still talking about Chelsea, winning. we? I think they'll squeak it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, look, okay, so the final two uh, fifth round ties in the last 16, you've got uh, Fulham Tottenham Hotspur, Danny Murphy and Bobby Zamora Derby, and then you've got Blackburn yeah. Rovers versus Manchester United. Um, who's that? That's Henningberg and David May, isn't it? Oh, Andy Cole and Dwight York. Yeah. Any upsets here? Possibly. Fulham Spurs. What do you reckon to that? You'd think Spurs would get through that, but I don't think it's going to be easy. They've lost tonight, haven't they? And they lost to Liverpool last week. They're on a bit of a wobbly run. There was perceived wisdom on other podcasts I listen to with people that know more about this than me is the fact that Pochettino has got his first eleven, who he's very happy with. Um, when 
players from that first eleven get injured or suspended. He has to bring in some of the others, and he doesn't entirely trust them. Like sort of, you know, the Wim Janssens who can only score from the penalty spot, and people like that. And he doesn't really trust them very well. He might end up playing them in this fixture, and Fulham can steal a march on Tottenham. Well, hold on a I minute. Mean, so who Tottenham? So this is in the Europa League, are they? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you weren't recording this. It's Ghent. Um, so okay, well, yeah, I think I think that's a bit of a cheap argument saying that Tottenham have only got like eleven good players. But no, that's but, what other people were saying. Well, not eleven yeah, good players, eleven yeah. players that he trusts to do what he wants on the pitch. I don't buy that really. No. Um, Fulham on the day though can be pretty dangerous. Mm. You know, I've seen them in the Championship and they look good when they turn it on. So there could be a surprise there, but I mean, I'd, I'd say you know Tottenham. Did they keep Chris Martin? I think they did, didn't they? Was it Russell or Chris Martin they've got there? I don't know. I can't remember. One of them. Uh, Blackburn, Manchester United. Anything going to happen here? Other than a Manchester United win? <laughs> um... They're winning in the Europa League at the minute. Blackburn. That's um, Latin Patrick. Nah. Yeah, you'd think Manchester United would win, but I don't know. You know, it's it's fairly local derby, not a derby as such, but um, Blackburn will put a shift in. You know, I know they're in the relegation zone of the championship, but I think when you're in that sort of position, you just want to win any game you can. Hmm. Um, Stranger things have happened. Um yeah, I think it could happen. Obviously, Manchester United would be favourites, but I, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't be put off Blackburn Rovers, you know? No? Not massive. No, no. Gary Bowie. Oh, not Gary Bowie, is it? It's um, Owen Coyle versus Jose. That's quite a combustible touchline, isn't it? I uh, see. Now you said Owen Coyle. That's put me off Blackburn Rovers a bit. Mm. Um, but hey-ho. Never mind. Owen Coyle's not that... Well, no, he is. He is that bad. He is a little bit. Funny. He is awful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite Billy Davis awful, but he's, you know. No, no. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, we'll see how our little predictions come on. Um, anything else you want to mention? Any other business in the parish notices? Any other business? Any other business? I don't think there is, actually. No? No, I, don't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. All right. Well, we shall leave it there, then. Um... Don't forget, Man of the Post is part of the World Football Index. Uh, you can listen to podcasts on diverse subjects as North American, South American football. Uh, you can listen to podcasts on uh, leagues from around Europe, Spain, England, Italy, uh, Germany, Russia. Um, they have tactics podcasts and other such individual podcasts as well. So they're always worth download. That's at World Football Life, World Football Index. Um, Colin, if they want to follow you on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at CAS707. Okay, CAS707. Correct. Okay. Um, Man of the Post, well, at Man of the Post is the Twitter account. At Man of the Post is also the Instagram account when I finally get around to putting some more pictures up. Um, we did a bit of live tweeting of the Champions League games earlier on this week, so we're going to try and do a bit more of that. So follow Man of the Post and get your updates there. Uh, you can download us through Acast. I think you hit the follow button and it automatically comes into your inbox. You can rate reviewers on iTunes if you... Um, subscribe on iTunes then it automatically drops into your inbox as well uh, if you like what you hear then uh, any 5 star reviews 
Would they be met with a fridge magnet still? Well, I can tell you that there are only two remaining. That's two remaining in the world. Yeah? Okay, so get your reviews in quick, and you can be one of the last two receivers of a fridge magnet. I've got one. They're great. Um, okay, so I think that's, uh, that's all for this week, then. If you've got no, nothing else to say, thank you ever so much, Colin. Thanks very much for having me. And thanks for coming on, and always remember to keep your man on the post. Oh, <laughs>